Welcome to the Outpost Church podcast for Discipleship Training Week 2023. This year, our theme was All He Asks is Everything. Over the next few episodes, you'll be encouraged by a variety of speakers who actively lay down their lives to serve God and His kingdom. We hope that as you listen, you feel inspired to further understand what it means to follow Jesus and surrender all aspects of our lives to Him. We hope you enjoy. We had a few people come up to us uh, during the break and say, look, uh, I've kind of, back pain's not kind of what I've got, but it sort of relates. So we will roll with that near the end of this session. But first of all, I want to talk about how we're here and that kind of stuff. So before we start, let's, let's uh, open up to prayer. So loving Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for bringing us together. Father, we thank you for revelation and understanding. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence just to to move amongst us, as your word declares, you are in us, with us, and upon us. Father, we thank you that uh, as we just uh, uh, just feel your peace just coming over us, washing over us, Father, you're centering us and you're just grounding us so that we uh, are ready to hear. Father, we let go of uh, just the stress of, of the day, the things that have happened on the weekend, uh, things to do with our relationships, uh, financial stresses, Father cares in this world. All of those things, we just let them fall away from us, fall on the floor, and we choose not to pick them up. And we choose just to spend this time with you as believers, uh, just in an atmosphere of, of faith and trust in you. Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, when we get to doing some ministry, you'll notice that we will stay with really short prayers. And there'll be no kind of wind up, we will just go straight to speaking to the pain or whatever it is that we're praying for. And uh, one of the reasons we train people to do that is because when you're on the, in the street or you're meeting someone at the Woolies car park or whatever, you don't have that kind of time just to kind of say all that stuff. So, and generally the way that we encourage people to do ministry is if you're talking to someone and they say, look, I've, I'm just having a rotten day today. You say, oh, what, what's happening? You know, we, we, we don't act care, we actually demonstrate our care for that person. And they might say, oh, I'm having a wrong day, so I've just got, I've got pain, you know, or my, my kid, uh, kid's home from school sick. So we just, we, all we do is just, we keep everything simple, we say, can I pray with you? And they might say, I'd rather not pray in front of everyone. You say, that's fine, can I pray for you at home? And they say, they normally say, yeah, I mean, not too many people will reject us from prayer. Um, and then we say... But is it okay if I check in with you tonight? I'll just send a message, can I just grab your number, just so that I can check and I can, you know, continue this relationship. And it's, it's how we bring people into fellowship as well. But generally 99% of people will just say, yeah, can you, you can pray for me now. They don't have a lot of the, the hang-ups that we do once we've been in church for a while. They're just like, if it works, it works. Uh, and so we then keep that prayer simple and direct and to the point, you need not have to close your eyes. You, we need to take away a lot of the religious stuff that we've probably learnt, religious words because they don't understand them. And we can be speaking one thing, but our heart, the power of the Holy Spirit is sort of flowing through us and actually touching them in another way. So one of the things that's sort of important about healing, if we study uh, Jesus' words and we look at the interactions with people, when we, we think about Jesus maybe being, you know, talking about 
people being uh, dead men's bones and washed, washed tombs and a year of little faith. Those statements are to two groups. They are to disciples and they are to Pharisees. The disciples, because he had an expectation that they would actually be able to operate in the things that he was teaching them. And the Pharisees, because they said that they knew. But to the world, he never does that. You know, the thing with the woman of the issue of blood. Think about the, the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He is gentle and he is kind and he doesn't judge where they're at. But he doesn't leave them in their sin either. So our, our persona when we meet people in the street is that same way. We don't judge where they're at. We don't ask where they come to church. We don't, have they read their Bible? Did they pray? None of those things matter in that moment. Am I saying that prayer and those things aren't important? I am saying they are absolutely vital. But that's a conversation for after Jesus has actually shown up in, in a powerful way in their life. So for us as kind of believers and as, as disciples of Christ, what we need to do is we're going to train ourselves. So the, the way I like to talk about sort of healing works is uh, I'm from a farming background. So imagine a front end loader or a forklift. Okay? Now a forklift can lift a really heavy weight. Let's say it's a bale of hay or a pallet of bricks or whatever. Now, if I'm operating the, the forklift, I can pull those levers. All right? I can uh, tip the bucket forward, I can bring it back and I can lift it. And that happens at my will, but it is not my power that I'm operating with. That is a completely separate thing. But it takes, it takes some practice on my behalf to kind of partner with, if you like, the front end loader or the forklift to get it to do the things that the manufacturer of the forklift has designed it for. So I, I, can't, I can't work outside of that. I can't use the forklift to pull my four-wheel drive out of a bog. You know, we, we are limited by what God has called us to do. But if we stick within what God has asked us to do, we will be successful. But it comes down to our will. That's the bit that I want to kind of work on today. Our will of listening but I'm going to get you not to ask for God to tell you something if you're not prepared to do it so you're kind of prepared to go yes to God and act before you hear what it's what you're asked to do it's that whole kind of speak Lord your servant is listening so one of the key verses comes from John 10 27 for me uh, so John 10 27 it says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life, they shall never perish. Uh, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Okay, so this is really key. So this says that my sheep here, and if, you're, if you've got like a, uh, a Bible that capitalizes where it's, you know, what God is saying or, or the, pers the person of God, you'll notice that my sheep hear my voices in a capital. So we are God's sheep and we are created to hear God's voice. So if we've been in the world for a while, we even know that even when we're away from God, we can still hear God's voice. We just chose to sort of ignore it. Sometimes we, we operated in it and if you look back on your life, you better see times when God rescued you from certain things. But we're actually talking about a consistent following and listening to God's voice. And often it's taught in church that it's really difficult to hear. I was taught that as a kid. It's really hard. You've just got to humble yourself and you've got to be holy and all that kind of thing. And those things are important, but that's not the basis that God speaks to you. 
God speaks to you because of his vast and limitless love for you. And it's out of knowing that love for us that we love others. So the verse goes on to say, it says, um, in verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know, we think it's hard to hear God's voice. It's actually easy. It's just that it, it has a cost to it. Before we sit down and actually listen to God, we've actually got to say, God, do I have any outstanding accounts? Is there anything between me and you that I've kind of left on the table? We don't think about it with our head, but we allow God to bring up some stuff that we might need to deal with. You might remember an argument that I had with somebody, or I might just remember, you know, needing just to drop some particular thing. Maybe God's speaking to me about watching less TV. You know, and I'm kind of confronted with a decision. I can either like, you know, I can listen to God and I can do what he's asked me to do, or I cannot. And then try and do ministry, having kind of left that thing undone. God doesn't, you know, God doesn't like, he's not, you know, he's a jealous God. And he wants us to live in this intimate relationship with him. And he doesn't want anything between us and him. So in the cost of doing this kind of ministry is living close to Jesus. And to know that he speaks and he, he's, he's looking to speak to us. We would actually, you know, it's difficult for us to not hear unless we actually put stuff in the way. So we can put, we can put really good things in the way. As a pastor, you, there's heaps of good things you can do. I can put those in between me and God. I can put even doing good things, like even doing like acts of service. And I can start to think, well, that's, that's who I am. All those things will actually lead me away. So... We're just going to spend a moment now before we do anything else. We're just going to ask God just to reveal some stuff to us. And we're going to also ask that God will continue doing this in our quiet time so that after we leave here, God will keep doing this. And it won't be us going, God, what's wrong? What's wrong? What am I missing? It'll be God just bringing it up. So let's pray. So uh, Lord, we thank you that you love us and we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and that he rose again victorious and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Father, we want to be intimate with you. We want to live in that closeness with you. We want to be able to hear your voice and we want to be able to act. So God, we're, we're committing today to say if there is anything between you and me that we give you permission to bring it up and we're choosing to deal with it when you bring it up at that moment. We're not going to put you off. We're not going to say tomorrow because we know that you're gentle and you're a good God and you'll bring it up when we can actually deal with it. And Father, we are partnering with you. We know that, that you love the world and you want to bring them into fellowship and understanding. And we ask that you use us. And we thank, thank you that from now on you're going to bring those things up and we are going to be ready to, to work on them, to give them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about why we do what we do. So Mark 16, 15. It's a very common kind of thing. So knowing that we can hear God and knowing that the biggest obstacle from hearing God is actually just letting our stuff get in the way. So if you can't hear, because we just prayed that prayer, God's going to bring some stuff up and he's going to just remind us. And we just go, Lord, I actually, I'm letting you in. I'm going to push that to the side. 
But in Mark 16, 15, it says, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples after, after he rose, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved, and who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. So, as believers, we are called to go into the world. So we're not called to sort of stay home and wait till the people come to us. We're actually called to actively go out. Now, if our churches are outward focused, then quite often on a Sunday, we're going we're to be experiencing people that are, that are coming in. So that's awesome. But there's sort of our corporate ministry. And then there's also my private ministry. It doesn't matter whether we're a pastor, a butcher, a baker or a candlestick maker. We are all called to witness. We're called to witness with our lives. We're called to go into our places of work, into our schools, and we're called to take the gospel with us. And the Bible says that these signs shall follow those who believe. The line before talks about that he who believes is baptised, be saved, and not believe, be condemned. It's actually saying that this is so important. People's lives are at risk because we're not sharing the gospel. If you're a brain surgeon and you work on someone and you, know, you make a mistake and they die, that is serious. But as Christians, we're called to, we hold people's eternity in our hands. You know, we are, we are, we are the ones that, you know, nobody knows your circle of friends except for you. You know, if we see them as the people that we pastor, you know, we don't want to get guilty, you know, about not doing it, but... It should come out of love, not duty. We should be willing to share the gospel in a way that we can have another go at it. So I'm kind of, a, I'm not really keen on the kind of uh, evangelism that we've often seen. The kind of turn or burn stuff where we actually kind of get on the street corner and sort of just sort of preach kind of uh, down to people. I have no trouble with the, the truth being spoken because nothing happens without the truth. But I don't like burning bridges. So my, you know, we, we've built our church groups by, out of relationship, sharing the gospel. And I often say to people, I'm going to share the gospel with you. You know, I've got a mass teacher that I was my first line manager. He's an atheist. And I've been sharing the gospel with him for my whole teaching career. And I say to him, I'm going to you know, share with you about Jesus. And I'm going to give you permission to stop me at any time. So he doesn't have to use a word, he just holds his hand up and I just stop because I'm going to honour him. So we have got him, you know, almost to the point. We've turned this staunch atheist that was against all things Christian, against the, the God because he'd been hurt. We've got him almost to the point of receiving Christ. And that is, it's not, it's not about us doing that. It's about, you know, partnering with God, but speaking the truth and giving the person permission that they can say no. That just means that they're in control of the gospel. And it also means that they know the source of the gospel in their life. When they, when they, when, you know, when they have trouble, they know to come to us. So I'd encourage you to kind of you know, think about that. So these signs will follow those that believe, and it lists a heap of things, drinking deadly, uh, you know, no means, what does it say, take up servants, and they drink any deadly things, that will be no means hurt them, so you can drink coffee with safety. Uh, so it doesn't mean that we sort of go out and uh, just do crazy stuff to demonstrate, hey, look, I'm a Christian. This is just saying that, if you want to paraphrase this, well, I didn't read it out, so as you go, 
and you're sharing the gospel, if risks are attached to that sharing the gospel, and you end up, you know, in a dark alley at night, we can depend on God's protection. If you end up in a mission field somewhere and it's a war-torn place and you're worried about, you know, how you're going to live, God will protect you. That's what this is saying. If we know that we're sent, we know we're protected. Many times we don't know we've been sent, so we don't know we're protected. If you imagine, if you imagine that uh, the maker and creator of all things sends you to a place, he's going to send you protection. You know, the Bible says that he has 5,000 legions of angels at his disposal. He has more firepower at his disposal than any country on earth. And yet we wonder if God will look after us. So it goes on to say uh, that it says that they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Just sort of just says it. So what I say to people is our job is not to heal people. Our job though is to, in the process of sharing the gospel, is to pray for people. And just to take it literally. Now, it says that they shall recover. You know, we, we don't have a promise that everyone's going to be instantly healed. But we do have a promise that if I do what God has asked me to do, he will take care of the they shall recover bit. We don't have to kind of worry about that. Once I have, I have prayed and I've, I have listened to God and I've done my bit, it's up to God through the rest because we can't do anything else. So sharing the gospel and praying for people and expecting a result is the natural conclusion of our relationship with God. That doesn't mean that I go, I walk around and go, look, on Monday, I need to pray with three people today. Who are my three? Now, if God's given you that word and you need to find the three people, then, you know, do that. But it's not, about a, it's not about a tally or even keeping count. But it is about getting better at pulling those levers and understanding how the process works. We often think that healings are kind of a sovereign act of God, and they certainly can be. But most of the things that we see in the New Testament are Jesus meeting somebody, being moved with compassion and saying, what can I do to help you? And the person making a request and Jesus meeting that request, often in a different way than what they attended. If uh, one of the, back a bit, I did a word study, and I put all of Jesus' questions out and then I put his answers. You know that um, Jesus often, or when someone comes up and asks Jesus a question, sorry, the other way around, but he doesn't answer the same way as we think he should. And often he doesn't even answer the question. What he does is he actually answers the question of the heart, not what was actually said. So when we're actually ministering to people, that's got to be our thing. We have to answer the question of the heart, not the words. So if someone comes to us and says, look, I hate you and I don't want you to pray, we need to go, is that, is that really what they're saying? There's this story of John G. Lake, and uh, back in the 20s, John G. Lake was praying for this guy. This guy had been in his meetings, and this guy was really anti him. He was swearing at him, he was carrying on, he was, he was yelling at him. This guy was on crutches. And he comes to John G. Lake's uh, office after the service had finished, uh, and um, he's just telling him he's a, he's a charlatan, he's a sham, he's making it up, all this kind of stuff. John puts his hand on his elbow and he just starts praying for him while the guy's yelling abuse at him. And he's on crutches. He's, he's uh, got uh, busted up legs. And at one point, 
this, the, the right leg sort of becomes whole and uh, he stands on it and John just grabs the crutch and holds it. The whole time this guy is yelling abuse at him. John doesn't even pray for him. It's just like, well, not out loud as in like the kind of scenario that we would imagine. It's just like, I guess he's, you know, Holy Spirit, fill it, whatever he was saying. And then the other crutch. And the guy walks out of his office, slams the door. And he hasn't even understood that, he, you know, his, his legs have received their strength. And John, as he leaves, John says, well, what do you want to do with these? And holds the crutches up. Now, we, we find that story just amazing. I do. You know, that God's power operates in this way that we, we don't think it does. Now, we've, often we've tried that kind of thing. And that's the problem. We've tried that. See, when we hear from the Holy Spirit, we're not trying something. What we're actually doing is we're partnering with God and we're just doing what we're told. We just become Jesus' hands and feet. And we go on, so it says that uh, in that chapter in Mark 16, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a promise to us when we're praying with people. And verse 19 says, And so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, he sat down at the right hand. That's kind of that symbolism of the right hand of God, that, that I will answer. I am now in this place of authority. And I go, you know, I'm interceding on your behalf. And then it goes on, I love this verse, it says, uh, And they went out and they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. So because, because of this experience with Jesus, they went out. They moved. They, they left the security of each other and they went out and they did what they were called to do. And I find it amazing, the Lord works with them. We think we work with the Lord. The Lord is working with us. When we're in that place of agreeing with him. And sometimes, like we've been doing this for a long time, and we think, I thought that's what I was doing. But quite often, we actually want to be one step ahead of God. But we actually just need to be one step behind Him and following Him. Let Him tell us where we go. Let Him tell us who we pray for. Rather than it being where we are trying to... You know, for a long time, I'm uh, very ambitious by nature. When I was a school teacher, I had a plan to become a principal... Uh, you know, that's just, just how I'm kind of wired. Whatever I do, I want to get to the top of. And, and I got sort of halfway there and we started to plant this church and I, had, I felt like I had these two things in my hand. I had school and I had church. And I remember saying to God, well, if I can't be principal, I want to be the best I can at church. And God, I could just feel God going, <laughs> oh, naming lights, is that what you want? You know, and... It, it took me a while to understand, to understand that, that being a pastor means that we're the servant of everyone. And the word pastor just means shepherd. We're called to shepherd, every one of us. Some of us uh, are pastors that lead churches, but we are all called to shepherd. And we do it without wanting ourselves to be promoted. Because what we actually want, remember the Bible says we want to glorify Jesus. So if what I do doesn't glorify Jesus, then... You know, I stop doing and I, and I go back and I, I reassess what's in my heart. Because what's in my heart will come out in ministry. What's in your heart will. So we want a situation where God is working with us to confirm the word. So what that means is that when we speak the truth about God, God goes, yes, I can confirm that and steps in. 
So when, the reason we operate in words of knowledge for people when we're praying for them is because we want God to confirm it in their heart. So God's sort of desire for us is not to bring healing. So if you have like a, um, I know it might sound weird, but say you're, you can't walk and you know, you've got a problem with your leg. We think that it's on God's heart to, to heal that leg. And it is, but God actually wants to make us whole. You know, the word to be healed is often translated to be made whole. And the path to wholeness actually goes through the pain that's in that leg. Because that's stopping the wholeness from happening. So, um, what time did we start? 11, okay. One more verse and then we'll get Heidi up and then we'll get back and we'll do the thing at the end with the... So John 3.16, very, very common verse. Okay, so everyone knows this, you can quote it. I'll read it through the, the Amplified though because this is God's heart for the people that we're praying for. And I've just written my title is God did not come to judge. John 3.16 says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. And in my Good News Bible at home, I used to take cross out the world and put my name. You know, so for God so dearly prized, so loved and dearly prized Tim, that he even gave up his only begotten and unique son. So that whoever believes in, and the Amplified expands the word to believe, to trust in, clings to, and relies upon him, shall not perish. Come to destruction or be lost, where it's expanding the word perish. But have everlasting life. That word life in the Greek is the word zoe, which means the very life that Jesus had, I have also. And verse 17, for God did not send his son in the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe, and sound through him so when we think about ministry we often think oh i've got a word for this person and it's often a condemning word we say like when we're doing ministry condemning words don't get a run we don't condemn jesus says he doesn't condemn he's not judging we don't judge someone comes in and says look i've been you know i've been a drug dealer for x amount of years we're like god loves you we deal with that later. What we're doing with right now is we want this Holy Spirit to show up. You know, this is, uh, this is like my mantra. So it's God so dearly loved you that he sent Jesus. And we want to, as ministers, we want to demonstrate that love. That's our whole thing. And we're not telling God how to operate. We're letting him do what he wants to do. We're just sort of like an open channel to allow it to flow. Uh, but that belief means that what we want to foster in them is that kind of faith, so belief means to put faith to action, that says, I trust in, I cling to, and I rely upon Jesus. You know, if we do our job right, and we've prayed with someone and they just got healed, they won't remember our name. We'll be like, when they tell the testimony at church the next week, they'll be like, yeah, you won't believe it, I was in Woolworths, and this random guy just come up and, you know, he just prayed for me, and, and my pain left. And I knew it was Jesus, and I don't know where he went. That'll be our testimony. That's what we want. We want to be like that nameless person who was there when that person needed us. 
and we're just sort of drift off into that forgetfulness. But what they remember is that Jesus, I've met Jesus today. And so, you know, they might not remember us, but that's what we're after. And you imagine, imagine what it's like when our churches get a hold of this and everyone is doing this. We have a saying at our church, we want to be well-led, but we don't want people, visitors to know who's leading. Just because we want, we, we want uh, when people come forward for prayer, that's a great thing, but we also want them to go sideways for prayer. We want them to go to the person sitting next to them in the pew and have the same results they'd have from coming up. Because that's the kind of body of believers that we want. You know, and we want without judgment. You know, no one's saying, oh, I don't know if you've been to church before, but uh, we don't do things like that here. We, we want just that blessing that comes from being in the presence of God. We're going to hand over to Heidi, and then we'll pray. All right, let's go back to the vulture. The vulture has a specific gut for bones. So again, he does specific things and he has a toxic gut that breaks down bones. And his door is only made up, well, 95% of bones. And I thought, how does a bird just do that? What, what is in bones? But it's whole makeup is to consume bones and to live happily on them. So whatever you are made for, consume it and live happily. Whatever, you know, path it is, whether you're someone who, you know, works well in kids' church or works well with youth or works in your family. And interesting enough, with Jesus, quite often some people would say, Jesus, after their healing, let me come and follow you. And he would say to some of them, no, go home. I want you to minister to your family. So I wonder in our minds when we start thinking about what we're doing or our ministry, have we got a lofty idea of what as a minister, as a person out there we should be doing? I always thought giving my everything to God means I have to go on a mission field and that freaked me out. But is that it? It's actually our heart of saying yes to God, isn't it? And our more listening to God for those specific things like Tim's been talking about, like listen to God, listen to God, listen to God and just do it and just trust and have that foundation of it. So um, be that vulture and consume your bones because you're created for it. Um, I like Waverly telling us that she was uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow. But the more and more I go into ministry and trying to encourage people to go flat out for God, the more I'm saying, just be uncomfortable. Like, go there because that is where God is taking within you. You can have two emotions. You can have uncomfortable you can have excited, you can have negative, you can have positive. And sometimes the negative is just telling us we need to work through something and we have to be convinced of this positive that God is calling us to do. So don't ever be afraid of uncomfortable. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. And encourage, I'm encouraging more people to become uncomfortable. I'm actually at a point where I'm happy to go to jail now and that would have freaked me out. And that only sort of came last year. So, you know, I'm watching my own progression as like a third person going, what the, Heidi? You know, so 
it's, it's weird watching yourself from the side, isn't it? It's weird watching your progression as a person out here. So how's that happening? And it's only happening because of God. I mean, I hope I don't end up in jail, but my, my jail thing is that I am convinced that I need to stand. So even more, I'm convinced I need to stand and not move. And whatever the result of that is, okay, I'm ready for it. All right. So if we plant trees, the birds will come. If I plant flowers, the butterflies will come. And bees. We had to just get rid of two swarms of bees. The guy came in like a space suit. And he got to the bees and... And we're all hiding in the, um, hiding in the house like this, peering out the window and he's... You know, he's in that full-on suit getting rid of bees. It's classic. Oh, anyway, so we had a bit of Star Wars stuff happening. Oh, very funny. It wasn't a lightsaber. It was something. What was it? It was, you know, squirting up in there. Anyway, it was poison. We killed him. Yay. <laughs> That's what you do out in the country because we, like, the guy, the guy, yeah, you kill everything. I, like Steve Stokes, I don't know whether you know him, he goes around and does kids' church stuff, but he's from Victoria. He said those, what are they, tiger snakes? Is that what it is? Those really aggressive snakes. It probably is tiger snakes. Melbourne are getting rid of their tiger snakes because all of a sudden they've had an influx of tiger snakes and the people are grabbing the tiger snakes in Melbourne. His farm is the farm next to the National Park where they release these tiger snakes. He has never had tiger snakes in his life on his property and last year he killed 14. So he is doing the job of those snake catchers that should be donging those snakes on the head but the old, you know... I'm sorry if you're animal lovers, but if it, <laughs> I am too. I really am. I love animals. So they're releasing these tiger snakes out onto his property that nearly bit his kid. He said these tiger snakes are aggressive. Black, red belly black snakes, all those, he said they're fine because they just keep to themselves, off their head. But these tiger snakes, they see you and they want to just attack. So anyway, I don't know. That's... All right, back to trees, plants, birds, flowers, and bees. All right, so with this, I'm going to talk about the fact that we are created, and like Tim has pointed out, that in God's kingdom, there is some things that are just, you can do, it will happen. Like it's one plus one equals two. So us, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, oh, there it is. Yeah, 5.23, and I'm an amplified person. I love the descriptiveness. And may the God of peace himself, right there, sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and wholly consecrated to God. Okay, so he just said then he's going to do it. I love that. And may your spirit, soul, and body, this is what you're made up of, out of. And I think that really was some of the, a turning point for us too when we realised there's three parts to us and it's very interesting that there's three parts to God. There's three, there's three, then there's seven, then seven. God is just amazing. 
So we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. And these things function together to make us, okay? So God is just so clear. So it says your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. So he is the God of peace and through him he brings about sanctification and he does everything for us in our soul, which is our mind, will and emotions, in our body and in our spirit. Okay, that's what we're made up out of. And it's super exciting now in O week um, at school, so that's week zero before the kids come back, uh, our principal showed a clip, and I can't remember who it was from, but he's a speaker that is sometimes on TED Talk and whatever. Anyway, he was talking about how we need to recognise our gut feeling, and I, I, inside I'm just going, yes, that's our spirit. The world is starting to talk about spirit, and we are now have that little open door to say, do you have a gut feeling? Oh, I have gut feelings. And I can talk about that gut feeling. And I can talk more and more about it. And I'm actually talking about the spirit in us to kids at school or to parents. They say, you might think I'm weird, but I thought about this and this. I said, I don't think you're weird. But soon you'll ask me what I think about that is, what that is. And I'll be able to say, I believe it's a spirit. That we've got a spirit. So we've got to open up to that. Anyway, that's in the world is very exciting where that's heading. So God's made us the way we are. We can work with the way we are and we can operate and things will just function. And I love that because I'm a maths person. One plus one equals two. Awesome. But get me to spell something and understand why is that spelt the same way but sounds different and why? I'm not into spelling. All right. So to me, that's exciting. So we're gonna, I'm going to try and get a foundation. Some of you might already know it and I'm have enjoyed listening already to people that understand about inner healing because that is super exciting because the mental health system, they're going to go bust because it is on a rise and people are crashing and nothing is going to fix these people. They lock them up, they try to do the best they can, that's the end of their life. They're stuck with it. Um, We don't have answers. I'm in the school, and I know you guys, if you're in the schools, they just say, refer them to someone, refer them to someone, refer them to someone, and, you know, hope for the best, but it's not the healing that they need. So in Ephesians 3, verse 16, 16 and 17, it says, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself dwelling in your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. And may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. And then it goes on to the love uh, verses there, which I just love, love, love. Okay, so it's talking about the Spirit of God dwelling in your innermost being. It is in your core where the Holy Spirit lives, where he dwells, where he makes his home. You know, when we make a home, we make it nice, we get fed, we relax there, we sleep, we get nourished. Holy Spirit loves to just put a lounge in your being 
just chill out, just feed you, you know, just hang with you. Can you picture that? He just delights in that. I love it because our family collects free lounges. We've just had... Um, we got, good thing we've got a farm. We just keep putting them around outside everywhere. But uh, when we picked it up from an Irish guy in Goula, like this was a couple of years ago, he said, oh, you want to... I can't say Irish anyway. I won't even try. But he's, he, he said, oh, it's an awful lounge. Just go and chuck it on the fire when you're finished. And we said, no way. It's ended up in our house, in the lounge room. The other one got turfed. We got that one. Anyway, it's so cool. But that's what we love doing. And our family loves doing that, putting lounges around so that it's a comfy place for people. And it's a place that people love to be. And I think that the Holy Spirit loves to be in you. He loves it. He delights in it. And just to think of that in the morning when you wake up, he's gone, oh, I love being with you. It's a cool place in here and being with you and functioning with you. It's a funny thought, isn't it? All right. So that's in the Hebrew and Greek. It talks about your spiritual heart being in your bellies and your bowels. You can look into this more and more, but it's right here. It's in your core. This is where the Holy Spirit is. And so in 1 John 3, 17... Because this is where we operate out of and we'll be confident of him speaking to us. But if anyone has his words... Oh, the, if anyone has this world's goods, resources for sustaining life and see his brother and fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? So that, that heart again is in here. I think we've got to get rid of the physical heart because the physical heart pumps blood around our bodies, but it's not where the spirit is and we need to sense stuff. We have a gut feeling. Holy Spirit's right in the innermost being of us. And so that heart there uh, is translated King James Version um, bowels, New King James Version heart in that verse. Uh, okay, Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man, that factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God, is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. Again, innermost, which is King James Version, belly, New King James heart, and it's our innermost in the Amplified. So again, another verse saying it's right in here. It's all connected, belly, heart, inner being. And I've got Proverbs 4, 23. So what I do when I uh, start working with people is just give them all these Bible verses to because we're going to uh, learn to come out of here, come out of the Spirit. 4.23, Proverbs 4.23. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all you guard, for out of it flows springs of living water. So that heart... Um, innermost being. Proverbs 4.23. Uh, that guard your heart is pretty strong, isn't it? Like it's um, the garrison, it's the, um, 
the army guard. So he says, why, why this is so important is because this is where you operate out of. So Garda, it is like your lifeline, it is your source, it is how you're going to uh, work with people and hear the Holy Spirit. Okay, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. And this one Tim brought up. My own peace I now give you and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I've had a person say to me, Heidi, peace. If I had peace, I'd fall asleep. I say, yeah, I don't think it's the peace that I'm talking about. They're talking about external peace. And we do things to have a peaceful time, but the peace of the Holy Spirit is with you all the time, no matter what's going around on the outside. So it's separate. And we need to switch from thinking, peace, peace. And I'll finish reading that, 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's an interesting one. That means we don't have to let our hearts be troubled, isn't it? We can grab it. It says, do not let it. That's very interesting. It can get troubled, but it says you can grab hold of that. Neither let them be afraid. And my Amplified goes on to say, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Um, sometimes this is a practice, isn't it? So when I used to practice um, as a youth, um, if I had an itch, not to itch it. If someone walked in the door at the back, not to turn around. So I actually practiced these little things that because I wanted to be focused and I wanted to stop myself from being distracted from things around me. So I just took little things to have a go at. So I don't know whether, you know, you might think about that. I, I used to think, why are you turning around? Like, why are we looking at someone walking through the door when I can actually tell myself to stay focused on someone that I should be listening to? I did this in our kids' church. It was so, so funny. And one um, teenager, oh, our kids' church, we have all sorts of ages and everything. So he is, was and still is a teenager. And he'd be sitting there, we're talking about distractions. And we've got a kid that just runs a mark. And if I don't pick him up, he is just, you know, in people's faces. So I'm saying it's really hard to stay focused, isn't it? And this kid is just gone. And he's just eyeballing me. And I know he's just going... Like every part of him is just, I'm so focused. <laughs> well, this kid's running around everywhere. So I just went, you got it. You've done a good job. But it's hard sometimes when we've let ourselves get down the track, isn't it? And we have to pull ourselves back. But it's little steps. Practice, practice, practice. Stop yourself being agitated. What is it that just triggered that? Why did I just react that way in here? Because then it bubbles up out of here. And again, I do wonder sometimes, and what made me really get into this was, why are you reacting to that? I wouldn't have reacted to it, but why? How can I help you not react to that? I can't do it on my own. Okay, this is a big one, Colossians 3.15. Amplified again. And let the peace, and this is your soul harmony that comes from Christ, rule. Act as an umpire continually 
Okay, this is continually. It never starts or stops. It's continual, okay? You've got this. In your hearts, so now we've established hearts in here, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds and it's in that peaceful state, okay? So you can make a decision in your heart in peaceful state, all right? Now, go back to the thing like we're talking about Waverly feeling uncomfortable, peace, uncomfortable. You can have them at the same time and it's like they sometimes are alongside each other but this is where you act out of, this peace, Okay, in that peaceful state, to which as members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live. We are called to live in a peaceful state. How many people are peaceful out there? Not very many. It is a striving world. It is a world that has to gain something or get somewhere or be someone. And they are always, always trying to get there and they will not get there because we are created to be in a relationship with God. Our spirit is created to have the Holy Spirit in there. So they are always going to try, try and try to get there, but they will never will because our state is to have the Holy Spirit, okay? So for me, I have compassion on people because I know they are not going to get there without God. And how am I going to be that support and love for them to guide them back? Another thing I think too, Holy Spirit, as I move around, their spirit is trying to be attracted to the Holy Spirit in me. So if we think spiritually as we walk past people, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit, Holy Spirit, there is a magnetism that's going on as we pass people every day that we are probably not aware of. But it is a force that they are trying to balance. You know in science... Again, I like maths and science. You have the equation that should balance on both sides. This is a balance that we've got and they don't have. And they're always tipping. And it's the Holy Spirit gravitating towards people and their spirit. My idea. So you can toss that or keep that, whatever. Okay, so we've got to live in a peaceful state and to be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Okay, Tim and I have been talking about the grateful and appreciative. That quite often uh, cancels out those negative emotions. It's a quick way to then go and they'll just subside. I am so grateful for where I live. I'm so grateful for the family I've got and it starts to subside those negative emotions. Grateful is a huge tool and appreciative Okay, so what I say about hearing from the Holy Spirit is that when you have a sense of peace, that is hearing, okay? So you have a sense of peace in your spirit and like some people say, oh, I have to hear a word or I have to see a picture, but you don't. And everyone I've worked with can have a sense of peace about something. They can sense the Holy Spirit by just stopping and we call it dropping into your spirit, okay? A very simple tool where people can feel the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit and hear from him. Um, I have a brick wall that I hit sometimes because I am a person that loves to just, let's do this, let's do that, let's get that going. And there's like a boom, a 
a brick wall that says, nope, not yet. But I do hear when I'm going around and I see things. In Streaky Bay a couple of years ago, I drove past a shed and I went, shed, church. And I text Tim. I said, what about this shed for church? We are church planters and we don't care about buildings, so we just go wherever we go and wherever God's got us. It doesn't matter in a church or what. Um, And then just last year, we got people that started to look for a building because through COVID, we were in someone's garden shed and it was a little small. So at the end of last year, we let the people start to look for a place in Streaky and I didn't say anything. And they had three places they were looking at. And one was the Uniting Church that got sold. Well, I don't know whether it's getting sold, but it's on the market. The next one uh, was the Scout Hall. And funny enough, the next one was this shed that I saw. I didn't say anything because I thought, I want to see them start to hear from the Holy Spirit about where to go. And I don't need to intervene when we're teaching people to hear. Good job. You keep hearing. That's great. Work it out. It's good. Anyway... It ended up to be that shed and I'd heard years ago that that was our shed for church but it was a knowing in here, like it's not a loud voice, it's just a, oh, shed church. So that type of simple thing, you're stepping out, aren't you, and you're just going with this Holy Spirit presence and just I would encourage you when you know that to go, that was you God, start to build up this track record, that was you God, you said that. And sometimes you'll say stuff to people. So in the middle of the year, we had a meeting at Locke and we had Hans Vortman come over. He comes over regularly and just does seshs with us. He's an awesome sesh guy. Um, And at Locke, we said to the Cleve people, okay, we'll, after July, because I was speaking at July camp, thought we can't do it before July. After July, we'll start um, building a church in Cleve. And they said, excellent. I didn't have to think much about that. That just came out and so that's progressed really just naturally because it was the Holy Spirit just speaking. So this is a great tool with people that don't feel like they can hear from God. So what you do, and we'll just do it now, and there was one lady that I'm working with over the phone and her life is a little bit of crap. And I thought, oh, oh, this person is in such a down place so I don't know whether she will feel the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, but she did. And you might be a little worried, but the Holy Spirit is real, so he's going to turn up anyway, so we need to be confident about that. So we're just going to pray, and I'm just going to get you to sense the Holy Spirit and sense the peace, and you probably all do, and, and it's like this. You're just Holy Spirit. And you don't even have to pray to sense it, do you? You can have a sense talking to someone. Holy Spirit. But it's switching this off and going here. So let's just pray and I want to just speak. Holy Spirit, you love each person here and you want to just reassure them that your presence of peace is always a guide. So I just speak a presence of peace right now.
And I just see him saying yes to some of you. I see him giving a hug to some of you. And it's a hug and a squeeze that says, oh, I love you. And it's a reassurance that, yes, I am here and I am with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Sense of peace. You can do it without shutting your eyes. You can do it any time. And when you're talking to people, I encourage you to speak and listen, not hear, but hear. Have a practice of that. It's really, really interesting. When you're hearing someone talking, you're going, I'm listening to something else and I'm hearing something else. I'm connecting with the Holy Spirit in that other person. Mm, It's very interesting. But it's a good thing just to practice. Yes. Tim? Tim? Okay, we're going to pray for, I've had a few people uh, come up in the break uh, that have got some pain, so we're going to pray for Alicia, is that still okay for you, bud? So we'll, we'll, there'll be opportunity for pray for, you know, lots of people. Do you want to come and sit out on the chair? So, I'll give you a clap because you're being really bold. <laughs> Thank you. And you, you don't have to face them if you don't want anything to face over there. Okay, so this is kind of... Uh, you know, we're stepping into the unknown and we're, we're applying uh, what we're doing. So, uh, as we're sort of doing it, Heidi's just sort of prayed for peace. So, what I want you guys to do is you're going to kind of reach out in faith and, and you're going to believe uh, for Alicia's pain to go. And what, in that sort of process of believing, uh, God is going to speak to you as well. So, some of us are going to have things that are accurate, some of us are going to hang, have things that are a bit less accurate. Some of us are going to have things that are sort of, you know, off. And so we're just going to kind of guide those through. But what you'll see, uh, particularly, uh, let me come over here so you can see what I'm doing. Uh, what, what we'll see, as we talk over the break, you'll see a common thread through all those things. So this isn't eloquent praying. Like you'll, you know, some of us will see a picture and you actually, you don't have all the information when you go to speak it. You just sort of start speaking it and sort of let it go and then... Yeah, you just keep following it through. So remember, we, we don't have a lead up. We just go straight into praying for this person. It's going to be a little bit different than if we're at Woolies because we're not at Woolies. Uh, and we would, we'll, we'll be talking a bit more because we kind of want to demonstrate what we're feeling and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm even going to talk about my emotions and how I'm kind of settling myself as well. So even though I do this a lot, uh, there is always this moment, there's this moment in your heart, which you'll feel it will worse as well, or wherever it is, where you're like, what if it doesn't work? And remember, we just laid a foundation of we're listening to the Holy Spirit, that we're meant to do it. So the result is, is God's thing. We don't have to worry about that. What we're doing is we do our bit, God does his bit. Okay? So... I have all those emotions. I have like, you know, the butterflies and all that kind of stuff. You know, we'll even go through things like, what if, what if it doesn't work and this person never speaks to me again? 
you know, you, you, your mind will just sort of throw all those things. So what we do is, like Heidi said, we just drop down to that place where we reach out to God and we do that. And we train ourselves to do that so that we can overcome those things and get back to that place. Okay? So uh, Alicia said that she has pain in her back sometimes. You correct me if I'm wrong. Pain in her back sometimes. And at the moment, she's got pain in her neck and in her shoulder just here. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, and it was like a, it was an accident or something, wasn't it? Okay. All right. Now, um, when I first started out, I was taught that if it was an accident, then people often need to apologise to Jesus for the accident. Now, if, if you have that thought, that is not God, all right? <laughs> Just sort of grab that and throw it. We have all of these weird things that we would say, okay? Now, the, the, what we're doing is we want to give Alicia a free ride, okay? So she's going to sit there and we, we make her comfortable. So if you're out somewhere, you know, might be a lawn there or something, you could just sit down and just talk with her. Uh, we want to make her comfortable and we actually want to carry the load of faith. So we're not actually asking her to kind of, um, you know, we're not asking her to do anything apart from just give us accurate information. Okay? So, so the, the burden, if this didn't work, is not on her. You, you take it. You say, well, look, you know, oh, look, I'll just keep praying for you. You know, have, have thought how you're going to deal with that should that happen. Because what we're doing is we're actually stepping into the unknown and, and you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We know what theology says. We know that, uh, you know, it's God's will to heal you. We know that. And the Holy Spirit is here to do that. But it's up to us to actually kind of join the hands of Alicia and God together in this situation. All right, so we're going to keep our prayers short. Whereas I'm just sort of doing the dialogue, so that you know that uh, you know this is the. You know, uh, if we look at the last week, I may have seen, I may have probably prayed for 25 people and seen those 25 people lose their pain. So I'm doing this all the time, and yet I still have all the emotions that I had when I started, and I have to still deal with those. Okay, so we don't sort of like. You don't get to a place where this is just sort of all automatic. You still have to kind of continually deal with this stuff. Okay? So, what we're going to do is we're just going to shut our eyes and we're just going to like uh, ask God what to do. Alright? So, that's what's happening in my heart. But what I might say is, can I pray with you? So, in my heart, I'm going, I'm asking God what to do next. And then we always ask permission before we touch them. So, I say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Make sure that yes. And then we're going to pray. So what we're going to do is, because she said the pain in her neck, and she said it was, did you say it was a sharp pain? Yeah. So what we do is we use her words uh, in describing what she said to pray for that. Okay? And so I'm going to speak to that condition as if it's a thing. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. You know, we don't tell God about it. God already knows about it. So we're just going to speak to that thing. And then we're going to drop, we're going to ask God whether it's done down here and get a sense of whether it is. And we do that before we ask the person we're praying for how they're doing. So we actually want to match that up. We want to match up, do I feel she's healed? And then we ask her. Okay? So that's the sort of process that we're doing. All right? So we speak to pain and we command pain to go in the name of Jesus. Pain go, pain go. Let's speak uh, Holy Spirit's presence and power just to feel this shoulder. Uh, I just see a picture of uh, muscles 
and I see them sort of like uh, pulled apart, look like um, you know, if someone was sort of pulling apart chicken. So, Father, I just speak that you would, and I know that's an odd picture, but that's sort of, you kind of got to roll with what you see. So, Father, I speak that uh, you would just draw that back together. So, Holy Spirit, feel, Holy Spirit, feel. Yeah, and just pull that together. And just speak over the memory um, of what happened. So, you just take that from Alicia's mind. We just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, simple prayer. That kind of thing. Now, what I'm going to do is we do a self-check. And this is the bit that we're sort of like always a bit nervous about. Now, we're not asking her, uh, we're not asking her to try something out that she's not familiar. We're not saying, look, you've been healed. Please run around the block and just really do something crazy. People will sometimes. We're actually saying, so I have an opinion in here and we're going to ask and see if our opinions match up. And so we want the person to be honest. So the first question I'm going to say is, do you feel the same or do you feel different? You feel different, okay? So do you have pain in your shoulder still? Do you want to, uh, as you're comfortable to, do you want to like just give your neck a little twirl or whatever it is that you, you would do? Okay, there's a tiny bit there. Okay, so it's mostly gone. So if, sometimes I think I should get a pad and write down what it is. But that's what I would have said too. So sometimes what I do, so the Holy Spirit, you know, what I'm doing when I stepped away, so I'm actually asking God, where are we at? And I often see a thermometer uh, with blue liquid in it and I see where we're kind of at and I see it right at the bottom. Okay, so what we're going to do, is a bit like cutting down a tree and we're going to go back for another chop. <laughs> and I say let's have a crack because this, this is not an exact science. We have to listen to God and, and this happens as fast or as slow as I am listening. And you notice that my words weren't eloquent. All right? And you remember the, the bit about the chicken? So, uh, like, I don't know why God gives you the pictures that he does. Um, and if it's on the street, you, you, you know, you get kind of a different picture again. Um, but it's actually God's way of sort of showing you what you need to do next. And you just have to go with what God says. Don't question it. Speak it out. Do it because as we stay in that place of truth, the pain will go. Okay? So, can we pray the rest? Is that all right? Okay, so if, uh, did anyone see, when I was doing, as I was saying what I was saying, did anyone kind of either have a similar picture or say, when I did the bit about the chicken, did anyone kind of have a picture in their heart of something similar to that? Well, (laughs) okay, so what... What I saw was like muscle pulled apart. So there was actually like a gap between the fibres. So obviously you like could be jerked it or something. And so we were praying the other day. Oh, go on. Crazy glue. Yeah, yeah, that would be a similar thing. Yeah. So if I had that picture of the, motion, of the shoulders rolling forward, um, I would sort of picture that and I would picture her shoulders doing that. Um, and it's sort of like uh, if God gives you something, you sort of have to work out how it is you need to apply that. But the thing that you wouldn't say is, can you roll your shoulders forward for me? Because we're actually asking her to use her faith, but this, this sort of setting, we're actually the one that's going to do that for her. 
Does that kind of make sense? So we're actually trying to take the whole burden off here. We want her to relax. We want her just to be in that place of just reaching out to God. Just, you know, when she, when she leaves and we break up and she goes her own way, if it didn't work, we want her to blame me, not God. And we don't want her to feel that she had to lift anything. Okay? So we'll pray for this last little bit and get that sorted. So, Father, we speak over Alicia, Father, and I just speak the last of this pain to go. And I just see it falling away straight away. So we just speak your Holy Spirit's presence and power to fill that neck area, Father. And I just see, uh, like, your hand running down uh, her back. And it's just like sort of putting things back in line and it's just touching our muscles and tendons and those kinds of things and just rewriting things. So Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, fill her. Fill, fill, fill in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so how are we going now? If you, is there anything? Yeah, there's, yeah. So if I was to kind of like, we're sort of right down the very bottom. Okay, so when I'm asking her at that same time, I'm like asking God, where are we at? Okay, so we've kind of got to a place where it has sort of plateaued. Now, the next thing to do is we say, uh, Holy Spirit, I need a word. Okay, now the word might come to Alicia or it might come to me. Um, and what I need to do is if I don't get a word, it's a bit of a tension thing. I've, I've got to say, well, does, do you have a word? Do you see a picture? Quite often, the, the word that you get, though, the, the language is in the person you're praying for's language. So if we're up in Port Augusta and we're talking to somebody who has lived on country, it is going to relate to them. And so generally I'm not going to know, I'm, I'm really not going to understand it. So I've got to speak that out in faith. Like I had a guy the other day I was praying for, it was about a billabong. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if I know what that is. Like in terms of what, you know, what he is saying. And so you, you, you just go with it. You don't need to know. It's the Holy Spirit. Remember, we are kind of like a channel for this person, okay? So we just pray for Alicia, Father, and we ask for a word. We ask, uh, what is next? Uh, and I just see a picture of an egg beater that's sort of mixing up, um, mixing up stuff, and it's like just everything's sort of uh, turbulent and uh, everything's sort of, um, you know, stuff sort of spattering out of the bowl is what I see. So, Father, I speak over Alicia, Father, and I just speak peace over her life. I speak peace over all the things that are happening, Father, um, and I just speak your provision over the things that are going on in her life. Speak your provision, we speak, uh, you know, all of those things just to fall in line. And, Father, we give you all of those things. We give you all of the, the turmoil and stuff that's going on, and we just release that to you in Jesus' mighty name. Mm. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, so sometimes we, we get to a point and we get right down to the very bottom and we, we had our word and it's still a little bit there. Now we, as I said, we're not like just going, look, it has to be instant because there's often a process to things that happen. There's some thinking that goes involved. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. And remember, our goal is to have the Holy Spirit rock up in this person's life and to feel that when we walk away that they can do that now. 
or they can have a guard. So they might, we would, if this was on the street, we'd say, look, you know, thank you for letting me pray with you. Uh, you know, give me a call if, uh, or give my wife a call um, and we can sort of follow up at late next week. So do you have any pain in your back or anything like that? Or is that sort of dealt with all at the same time? Not at the moment. You have to go try that out. Awesome. Okay, well, you can take a seat. Awesome. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for your boldness. Now, um, in our kind of session next, we can talk a little bit about sort of hearing, but then we'd like to have a go at it. So um, there might be someone else that's feeling really bold that we can sort of pray through stuff. Uh, and normally when we do a workshop, we actually get you guys to speak the word. Okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of be like a gatekeeper and I'm going to give you the mic so that it's going to take a little bit longer to do the next bit because we're sort of all participating in it, if you know what I mean. And then we'll build towards sort of tomorrow, we're you know, going to have some groups and, and have a crack at it, You're really getting into it. Um, yeah, it, it really is it's a good thing. But we've run out of time, so we will break for lunch. Or who do I hand the mic to? Oh, we can keep. Oh, I forgot to put the potatoes in. Can't have lunch without potatoes. Um, I'll just give you a couple of uh, quick testimonies. Uh, we had a little conference about uh, this size uh, a few weeks ago in Streaky Bay, in the shed. Um, and uh, one of the ladies got up, uh, her... Her daughter, I think it was, or her son, had a friend who was had overdosed in Sydney over the weekend. And uh, are we all good? All right. I'll finish this and then we'll, we'll break for lunch. Uh, and so he'd overdosed and uh, he uh, was in a place where his family were, were confronted with the, the fact they had to turn the machine off, that he was, you know, was going to die. And, um, you know, we were just sort of doing stuff and kind of it had come in, so we... we decided we'd get up and pray. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been in that situation, uh, you know, there's some eloquent words that you can say that give people kind of hope, but they're often not the thing that actually does the greatest hope, which has actually changed this situation. So the, the lady uh, that actually, the, her daughter had got the word, she actually got up and we, I just said, look, let's pray. And uh, so she started to prophesy of this guy. She's like, you know, your life is not finished, you're called to this. And, and all of a sudden it filled the room with what felt like electricity. And uh, so, you know, I've seen the picture on Facebook, he's sort of got little tubes and all that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, he's, he's in a coma. Uh, and then I just got the word that we, we should call him to wake up. And we spoke to, his, spoke to his brain, that his brain would come back to, you know, to life and to, to do those things and that he would, he would wake up. We didn't think anything more of it. Uh, we were driving home that night about three hours later and we get a text from this lady who's really excited that, that uh, you know, an hour or so after we'd prayed for him, he just sat up in bed. And uh, by Sunday lunchtime, he was actually home with his family. Got a text from the family. So, you know, we think that it takes a super saint to do that, but as you can see, Heidi and I are just really average people, just like... And the people that we're with in our churches are average, that are now... You know, average in a good way. Um, but, you know, the, this Holy Spirit stuff is, you know, I was taught that you had to be a certain type of person to do this. And uh, it, it is not the case. You know, as Christians, we're all called into this kind of field to, to pray. You know, some of us will be better than others, just like if, you know, we can all sing. 
Um, not everyone can sing like me and sound like, uh, you know, a galah with its head being sort of twisted. Yeah, but the Bible says I just have to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, doesn't it? So, that's right. <laughs> joyful in others, I don't know. You know, so there are going to be varying degrees of, of abilities, but, you know, we're all called to do this. So, bless your heaps, have an awesome lunch, and I'll... Uh,